this lightning bolt went into my brain that said, you need to start Hairstylist for Humanity right now, and you need to go to homeless shelters and start channeling healings through hair cutting and the crown chakras. So I look up and I go, are you kidding me? I mean, it was so clear that this is, <laughs> and I'm like, oh God, really? My life is so great right now. But I started crying and crying and crying and I knew that's what I needed to do. Hey, this is Achim Novak, executive coach and host of the My Fourth Act podcast. If life is a five-act play, how will you spend your fourth act? I have conversations with exceptional humans who have created bold and unexpected fourth acts. Listen and be inspired. And please rate us and subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on. Let's get started. I am so happy to welcome Francesca D'Amore to the My Fourth Act podcast. Francesca is a certified professional life coach, a medium, a Reiki master, a card reader, and a self-described goddess extraordinaire. She has been a serial entrepreneur in the health and wellness industry, where, among many other accomplishments, she owned her own South Florida salon, the hair shop and was founding president of the non-for-profit Hairstylists for Humanity. Francesca is a proudly public trans woman and one of the subjects in the documentary Open Dialogues, Stories from the LGBTQ Community. Francesca has a long history of community activism and currently serves on the board of Safe Schools South Florida and as entertainment director for Hollywood Pride. Uh, and I'm just scratching the surface. Hello, Francesca. Hi, how are you today? I'm really well. I'm, I am thrilled that we're having this conversation. And the only thing that pains me in advance is I feel like we don't have enough time to get into all the stuff we could explore. Yeah, how well, many I... lifetimes do you have for that? <laughs> <laughs> well, we may have to do an episode every year in every season where we go further, you and I. There but we I'll... go. I want to start with this, because you chose the name Francesca D'Amore. Many people mm -hmm. don't get to choose their names, and Correct. there's a lot that comes with that. And it's a, I would say it's a very dramatic name. What does the name Francesca D'Amore mean to you? So it's really interesting. So when I decided to, I'll call it repackaging or remarketing myself, so... <laughs> I thought long and hard about names that I could use that would describe the rest of my journey and that could describe me. So um, Francesca actually means free. It's really quite fitting that the name correlated with that junction in my life and di amore in Italian means of love. Mm -hmm. So my journey is to be free, free of demons, free of old baggage free to be myself, and the amore. My mission is to try to be as much of love as possible in this wacky world we live in. <laughs> Beautifully said. I, I want to take you back to your youth. And one of the things, people always want to know when we're young, growing up, parents especially, like, what do you want to do with your life? Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? So when you were a young person or a teenager, 
what were your thoughts for yourself and the future? Well, since I was little, I spoke of becoming an attorney, believe it or not. I was on that trajectory uh, at 19. I went to school and I got a paralegal degree. So my whole big plan was to work as a paralegal in a law firm that would pay for me to go to law school, which was a very sad decision. But life happened. I ended up in corporate America. But yeah, attorney was a, that's what I had always wanted to be. As recently as a few years ago, I actually sat for my sat for the LSAT mm-hmm. because I had this grand idea of being a civil rights attorney. But one of my clients, self-made billionaire, when I told him that I was going to go to law school, he said, oh, Francesca, you don't need to go to law school. Keep on doing what you're doing. You'll, you'll, you'll make more change that way. And something just switched. And I said, yeah, I think he's right. So um, that's what I wanted to be when I was little. Well, I'm struck by that, but I'm also struck that by the wisdom that your client shared with you. That was just, I think, amazing advice. As I follow the story of other trans individuals, what always interests me, what I usually hear is that at a very young age, folks knew that something was not aligned, something doesn't make sense. And I feel like they felt different, but not different in a way that most people feel different, like different in a bigger way. What was your experience of how you felt about yourself, your identity as a young person? I knew it too, clearly who I was, who I am. And of course, at that time and place, Nobody even heard the word transgender. I haven't been subjected to it. And I mean, I grew up in Zimbabwe, ex-Rhodesia. So that was definitely not a place for that. So I knew it too. And I definitely knew at nine. And I'll tell you this little quick funny story. Please Um, do. I was in the choir and my best friend, Angie, she was playing the role of Mary. It was a nativity (laughs) holiday thing. And I almost almost, almost convinced her into letting me play Mary. But thank (laughs) thank goodness she had some sense because we both would have had the bejesus slapped out of us. So so I opted for for her bright red lipstick. So I really stuck out in the choir. But um, yeah, it was very clear. Now, in your adult life, I want to just briefly talk about your professional choices before we get to your more of your trans journey. But I'm struck that you talk about wanting to be a lawyer, but you went to, you were a hairstylist, you got involved in the wellness industry. You very briefly, and you and I spoke about this, ended up working in Boston for a pharma company, which I intrigues me because it doesn't seem to fit the rest of the profile. So I'm curious about that. Right. You, let's do it this way. When you think of your professional endeavors, and I want to invite you to tell us two story. One, if you think of a moment, professionally speaking, where you went, wow, I love doing this. This feels right. This feels great. But also tell us a story where you were doing something, and we all have those where we're in a job and something going, why the hell am I doing this? I need to get sure. my butt out of here. Can you just describe those, those opposites yeah. to us? So I worked in corporate America with three major corporations, and 
although I learned a lot, I was like, why the hell am I here? I have to get out of here. So <laughs> corporate America and that structure was not for me. So since 1996, pretty much I've been independent, an independent contractor, except for a year and a half at the pharmaceutical company. Ironically, I've been a doctor's assistant remotely for the last couple of years. And I feel for me, that's a stream of the wellness arena. And it, it allows me to understand the human body more because I have to do research to do the research for the doctor. Mm-hmm. So um, and it pays the bills nicely. So that's a good thing. But I'd say 22 years ago was when I really realized that my walk in life is to channel healing. I hate to say I'm a healer because that's a little bit too um, egocentric in my mind. I became more open to become a vessel of healing. Mm -hmm. And I delved into Reiki. I became a Reiki master. I started learning numerology. I met with some of the best psychics in the United States. And they all told me the same thing. What are you doing on that side of the table? You need to be on this side of the table. Time after time after time. And I'm like, okay, universe, I get it. So um, then I got um, certified to learn how to do angel card readings. Mm-hmm. And um, that was really great. And I've been doing that ever since. And just kind of putting my life experience together and channeling messages to people. And that's what I call my holistic uh, life coaching. Yeah, I don't do what regular life coaches do. We're taught that you have to kind of like hold a person's hand and let them come to things no you know me i don't (laughs) sugarcoat anything and i'm very direct and i'm like i don't want to waste your time or money i'm getting right to the point with you and i guess because i've gone through so many things in my life i'm able to speak to a lot of different people it's just called mirroring you know um to communicate with people so i'm I'm actually honored that the universe chose me to do this kind of work. And I really channeled it in hairstylists for humanity as well. And that was a a divinely inspired idea. At the time, I was living a pretty cushy life, you know, a beautiful condo on the water, infinity pool, four days a week of work. And I went to go see a movie, uh, Beyond Borders, with Angelina Jolie. Mm -hmm. And my partner at the time, we were sitting there and, I've said this before in interviews, I felt as if my brain was zipped open and this lightning bolt went into my brain that said, you need to start Hairstylist for Humanity right now and you need to go to homeless shelters and start channeling healings through hair cutting and the crown chakras. So I look up and I go, are you kidding me? I mean, it was so clear that this is... (laughs) And I'm like, oh, God, really? My life is so great right now. But I started crying and crying and crying, and I knew that's what I needed to do. So um, my ex was like, why are you crying so much? And I'm like, I can't tell you right now. I'll tell you. (laughs) That night I went home. I incorporated Hairstylist for Humanity, got a board together. Two weeks later, I was at a feeding place off Broward Boulevard with lines of people cutting hair out in the hot sun, and I'm like, okay, God, use me. You know, this is not where I thought I'd land, you know. Um, I could be a little bougie sometimes. And then I just started, you know, just 
going dominating domino effect and from there I started going to homeless shelters and then we started recruiting hairstylists who were living in homeless shelters and wow it was a really great experience for me but it ran its course but that's what really taught me how to respect everybody in life yeah yeah because I heard stories that were unbelievable stories so it was an honor to be able to be in that situation. Yeah. Now, as I'm listening to you, and I, I'm putting myself in maybe in the shoes of some of our listeners who listen to the podcast, somebody might go, well, I, I admire how Francesca seems to get messages very, very clearly, and she has the courage to follow through. I also want to receive messages more clearly, but my messages don't come as clearly to me as they, they seem to come to Francesca. From your experience as a healer and a life coach, how what would you say to a person like that? Well, I had to do a lot of work before the messages were really channeled. And I had to do a lot of house cleaning with the Reiki. I had to learn how to not be codependent in the third dimension. Mm-hmm. And, and I know we have enough problems here on Earth. Why would you invite otherworldly problems into your <laughs> life? I think I can handle both right now, which is actually kind of good. Um, I would just advise the listener to start with just, you know, YouTube is a great resource to listen to meditations, to open your heart chakra, to open your chakras. And, you know, our chakras are energy fields throughout our body and inside of our body. I started really with that and doing the work and working with the angels and the archangels that's how I've done it, and that's how I I teach people to do it. Really, it's all about getting somebody to learn how to yeah. self-heal. You know, self-love, self-healing, that's super important in life. That's what we're here for, I believe. Yeah. You know, mastering self-love. Yeah. You, you mentioned the, the wonderful story of being nine years old and thinking you should play Mary, right? Absolutely. And, uh, I'm still mad about it. (laughs) Can you give us a sense of you formally began to transition at 45? So there's a lot that happens between 9 and 45. How how did you learn more about, I'm going to call it your female self or the self that you, who you really are? How... Describe that to us. Sure. So um, when you're a trans person, um, so the way I am now is how I always saw myself, obviously a lot younger when I was nine years old. So my brain works that way. uh, And I'm clearly aware that my body is not a female body. So it causes a lot of confusion Mm. within, you know, you have this push and pull within yourself. It's a really chaotic experience in between those times I, I did try and express my my feminine side as much as I could but I come from a very religious Italian family and it was a no-no so I had to go through different routes of expression to Finally, one day at 45, I said, you know what? I've attempted suicide. I don't want to go through this anymore. And I knew I was going to lose my family. And I did for five years. 
and it was heartbreaking. But I did have to put myself first because if I didn't, I would not have continued with living. It's yeah. that torturous of a state. Yeah. So um, thank God we, you know, we reconciled and it's been four and a half years, almost five years, and we're closer than ever because it's like, this is really who I am. You don't have to go reference those last past references of who you thought I should be to make you comfortable or make you happy. Yeah. And I think a lot of a lot of it is that we live in a binary world and people are very attached to their gender identity and understandably so. Me of all people, I can understand that. But there's a lot of educating that we still need to continue doing so that people can be more understanding and um, receptive towards the trans community. Uh, when, when you decided to transition and go through the process of transitioning for me as a cis man as an outsider that just sounds like a long process a hard process a difficult process what can you tell us about what just that journey was like after you made the decision to sure. formally change i was very quick about it because i really knew what I wanted to do. So um, before I transitioned, the only way I could express my feminine side was to create what people thought was a character, but it was really me trying myself out. So her name is Miss Finesse. As Miss Finesse, I interviewed a lot of A-list celebrities on red carpets. I've been on Check Please South Florida, reviewing as a food reviewer, and I actually won for the 10-year anniversary Best Reviewer during the whole 10 years alongside with Paul Castronova and Bailey, the carpet guy. So (laughs) we had a special like feature session and it was pretty amazing, but that was the only way that I could start putting myself out there. And also through entertainment, which I have a a huge background in theater, film, all sorts of stuff. So, and 45 is like, it was the perfect age. I think, you know, I had thought about transitioning when I was in Boston in my 30s, but I just was not ready to lose my family yet. I wasn't mature enough to handle that. I really loved my family, like really loved my family. And I knew this would happen. And I guess I had to wait to prepare myself for it. You know, that's the only explanation I have. What kind of support like emotionally did you have during the process if your family was not able to be there for you? My one sister who lives in Colorado, uh, she happens to be gay. Her and her wife actually were supportive. Mm -hmm. But I have to say my friends were so amazing. You know, I might have lost just a couple of friends, but the majority of my friends stuck through this with me and they were there for me and they supported me and they loved me. And I have to say without them, I don't know how successful this transition would have been because we all need somebody, you know, to love. And, And I hear other stories of other trans women that don't have support and they lose most of the people in their lives. And it's, it's devastating. It's horrible. Yeah. So 
I'm really grateful that I have those friends who I'm still friends with today. We travel together, we see each other, we do stuff together. It's, I'm grateful. I'm wondering, because you, you talk about how once you decided to go, it was like, I'm going to do it. It was clear that you were committed to doing it. And you had friends who supported you. But as you were going through the journey, what were the biggest surprises for you that maybe stuff that you had not anticipated? Where you went like, shit, I didn't know this was coming, you know? I think the biggest surprise was being a woman. And I was really about being attractive as much as I could be. And it's understandable being so objectified by men and by society. It it was really interesting. It got me to understand women who have been doing this their whole life uh, in a whole different light. My emotions were off the charts. I, I it was like a second puberty. <laughs> it was like a second puberty. And I went boy crazy. My brain was crazy. And I'm like, look, I'm a 45-year-old woman. I sh- up until 52, it was seven years of, of kookamonga in my head. And I couldn't help myself. Uh, you know, somebody would say, oh, you're pretty. I'd be like, really? I'd get like so silly, like a schoolgirl, you know? And I know that I'm mature, but you can't help yourself. You're almost like watching a B-rated film, you know? (laughs) So so that was kind of, that was interesting. But I think the most interesting thing for me was that this journey was more of a spiritual journey than it was a physical journey. I really have come to terms with my life. I'm calmer than I've ever felt. I'm more spiritually grounded than I've ever been. That was my biggest surprise. A word from your sponsor. That's me. I invite you to go to the website associated with this podcast, www.myfourthact.com. You will find other equally inspiring conversation with great humans. And you will also learn more about the My Fourth Act mastermind groups where cool people figure out how to chart their own fourth acts. Please check it out. And now back to the conversation. Now, I I follow you on social media, and we've, we've met, of course, socially a little bit. So my impression is that you clearly stay that you're single, but you wouldn't mind being in a uh, romantic relationship. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Yeah. Part of my boy crazy thing was mm-hmm. um, I dated a lot, just dated, mm-hmm. and I had a few short-term boyfriends. It was a different experience because I think we come here also to experience ourselves through other people. Yeah. So... I experienced myself in a completely different role in a completely different way. And it was kind of overwhelming. So the last few years, I just kind of stepped back from it and I get approached, but I'm not going to settle. I know what I want. And energetically, I can't let anybody into my energy field as far as intimacy goes. So that's, that's not too fun. God, (laughs) (laughs) 
but yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm hoping, you know, that I would meet somebody who's my energetic equal or somebody who just sees me for me, period. You know, we'll see what happens. So I'm going to just ask a a really blunt question because you stated you're you're attracted to men. You know, you've been dating straight men and you've been hanging out with straight men. And where I go as a gay man is, so what's it like when you come out to them and say, I'm a trans woman? What's that experience like? I have to say, I'm actually really proud of the straight men that I've dated. I would say probably about 70% have been shocked at first. And then they took a, a beat. You know, if I meet them somewhere and they ask me out, I'm like, okay, there's something you really need to know about me. And I tell them and I haven't had anybody go, oh, that's gross or get away from me, you know, so that's good. I have been rejected before, but who hasn't in life? You know, it's not. And I look at it as if that person walks away, I thank my angels and say, okay, thank you. You're saving me from some heartache and trying to put on a show for this person. I don't do that anymore. No, it's like, this is me. What you see is what you get. If you like it, great. If you don't, okay. It's been a different experience. Yeah. Gay men and straight men are completely different. Like, Like, uh, well, I, I can't resist that opening. So if you had to just identify a few ways in which they're different based on your experience, like what stands out? Um, I think that gay men are are more communicative. I think gay men definitely better and dress better. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're perpetuating those stereotypes, Francesca. I am, but it's the truth. I've been there. I don't know. I think maybe gay men are maybe a little more upfront about some things. But those are, I guess, sexually, obviously, things are completely different. Yeah. And I think in my experience, I found that straight men, because I'm a female, are a lot more aggressive towards coming, I don't want to say coming after me, but approaching me, let's yeah. just say. I had to learn a lot of new things. So I had to learn new tricks. <laughs> well, but the thought I had, because you're, you mentioned it's important for you to be attractive. You are an attractive woman. You are well-groomed. You know, you, you're not the wallflower in the corner. You know, that's not who Francesca has chosen to be. How do you, with a little more maturity, how do you internally handle the objectification that comes? Because all of us are initially attracted to somebody for physical reasons, right? Of course. I think in the beginning of my transition, probably for like five years, I wanted to be objectified because I wanted this attention that I had never gotten before as who I truly am, if that makes sense to you. I guess in a sense, I was objectifying myself. I mean, I wouldn't go to the grocery store without high heels, a tight pencil skirt, <laughs> a low-cut blouse, and full makeup, and my hair completely done. Uh-huh. Now, I go to the grocery store, and sometimes I don't even you know, paint my eyebrows on, you know, <laughs> so I'm just like, this is what, this is me, you know, and, and I just wear yoga pants and a t-shirt and my chancletas, my flip-flops, and there I go. And that's a huge difference. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't put myself in those situations as much. I've toned down. Yeah. I've matured. I don't want to say toned down. My look is a lot more mature mm-hmm. and less desperate. Yeah. Because I was desperate for attention. Yeah. You know? Well, I, ironically, I'm thinking that I see you as a very public person. You're involved in causes that matter to you. You're an outspoken trans activist, if I may say that. And uh, yes, can we talk about that? Because uh, can we talk about safe schools where you're on the board and why safe schools is a cause that for you as a trans woman is really important? Sure. So for me, being a trans woman and having visibility on boards, period, is really important because I get to sit at the table and have a say-so in things from a trans woman's perspective. Safe schools, it's, it's my heart because, you know, these young LGBTQ plus kids, um, especially now with the uh, Don't Say Gay bill that became law, right. you know, things are quite different in the school system. So we work with Gay Straight Alliances and we do trainings, uh, we train teachers, We've been doing that for 31 years, going on 32 years. So it's, I don't want to use the word exciting, but I'm going to use the word exciting because it's an exciting time because we have to reinvent ourselves and work around the system. So it's exciting in the sense that we get to find solutions to help our youth in the school systems. So we're doing that right now. I was on the Hollywood LGBTQ plus council for two years, mm-hmm. and this will be my second year being the entertainment. I was entertainment director last year, but now that I'm not on the board, I'm entertainment coordinator, but I'm doing the same thing. And they say that all the time. <laughs> so it's just a change yeah. of words. So, yeah. And I also now I'm a committee member on the Broward HIV Planning Council. And I wanted to have a seat at that table as well to make sure that Broward residents that are trans are getting the help that they need. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, yeah, I love being community involved. It's something I've been doing for 20 something yeah. years and on different arenas in the arts. I've sat on boards, theater boards, homeless boards, created my own organization. You know, started a theater company. Uh, I was a co-founder. So a lot of stuff I've done, and I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I, I just as you're talking, I hear your passion for, I feel like I sound cliched now, but I mean, a, good, a passion for really making a difference around things that matter to you, which is a powerful thing. Now, you're also, you're very outspoken and public about your age. So you're a 55-year-old trans woman. You have hopefully a lot of life left to live. So if we look at the future, because this is the call to my fourth act podcast. And let's do this way. What are some things that you, Francesca, if you had a magic wand, which you do, you say, mm-hmm. I, these are things I'd like to do more of. And maybe these are things I'd like to do less of. What comes to mind? I definitely want to keep on with my advocacy and activist work. This has always been a non-paid passion of mine. So I've always donating my time and resources. So I try to do as much as I can, and I do quite a bit. What do I want to do in the future? 
I am starting a monthly Reiki slash yoga class once a month with a good friend of mine who's she's a yoga master. And through me, she was my student in Reiki. So once a month, we're actually going to we're going to create a fusion of yoga and Reiki for a full day to become certified at the different levels of Reiki. Nice. But also the yoga, the yoga poses and the yoga ideology is going to help with heart healing because I feel like everybody's heart yeah. needs healing. We're just going to teach teach our students how to heal their hearts based on our experiences, on our tools that we've learned through the years, and also, you know, the divine channeling through us. So that's going to be something we're doing. And who knows where that'll go? We have some students signed up already for January. So that's pretty amazing. I love the phrase you just used, which is who knows where that'll go, because I'm a great believer in we can't figure everything out in advance. So we start something and then the journey gets revealed as, as we're, as we step into it. I'm thinking of some of our listeners who are not trans and they might sing something like, wow, Francesca went very, very far to be her true self or to uncover her true self and to fully own it. Our listeners might not be trans, but they might go, oh, I have parts of me as well that maybe don't have to do with gender identity or anything like that, that that I have never fully embraced, but I have inklings or ideas. What kind of wisdom, again, from your perspective of your life journey, but also your professional work as a healer and life coach, what, what advice would you have for somebody who... I always tell people, listen to your intuition. So I think what I had to learn how to do was to listen to myself and to actually stop and listen to what my brain was telling me, what my body was telling me. A lot of people overcome extreme obstacles in life. And there's a lot of work that's involved. So I would, you know, tell your listeners First, realize you've got some work to do. It's just not going to happen like ding and it's done. But the work is amazing. It's hard. But once you get through each topic, it just frees you. You know, it just frees you. So, and also you could go to my website, guruenlightenment.com, and you could hear more about me, read more about me. Yeah, I don't do any advertising. It just happens. Francesca, you are so subtle. I was going to throw it at you, but you just... (laughs) What do you mean you don't do advertising? You just grabbed the ball. Good for you. I did. I did. Uh, Good for you. Just final question. If you were to share some wisdom or guidance with a trans teenager who maybe has not fully faced their trans self, but knows that is there. Based on your journey in life, what, what, what wisdom would you have to share with them? Actually, it's interesting you bring that up because I have worked with some psychologists and they've Zoomed me into a session to speak with teenage trans kids that are going through 
And I've also spoken to many parents of trans kids that have been like brutally honest about how they feel. So the one thing I really focus on is I tell trans kids, make sure you understand that everybody around you is transitioning with you. And it's really important for you to be aware of other people and their feelings are valid. And it's important for you to honor that because that will make your journey so much easier and you won't be so me, 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 which you kind of have to be at times. But if you have support, it's important to open up. I said final question, but I've just changed my mind because your answer <laughs> your answer made me want to inquire more about your family who was not supportive, but they've embraced who you really are. If you had to pinpoint maybe a moment or something where you were surprised by their behavior and them coming around, what what stands out for you? From the beginning, it was interesting. My mom called me her daughter um, after we had been apart for quite a few years. She gets the um, the pronouns muddled, mm-hmm. but then again, I you know I practice what I preach, and she's an eighty four year old woman, and she has her limitations, and she has her things, and. I just let that slide. But when we're in public, she always refers to me as her daughter and as she, even at home. So, you know, for me, that's outstanding. She's apologized. What more could you want? I'm very grateful that 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 karma has been closed, you know? So, and again, like I say to, you know, young people that are transitioning, be open to other people around you. Because I think, you know, in order to communicate, you have to sit at a table and listen while the other person is speaking, digest that, and then, you know, return the conversation with your feelings. That solves a lot lot of problems and a lot of issues in life, period, no matter what you're talking about. Francesca, thank you for... First of all, sharing your your personal journey, but also the the wisdom that comes with it for our listeners. Again, the website is guruenlightenment.com. It's it's a pleasure to know you and thank you for the conversation. Oh, thank you, Akim. It's been wonderful. Like what you heard? Please go to myfourthact.com and subscribe to receive my updates on upcoming episodes. Please also subscribe to us on the platform of your choice. Rate us, give us a review, and let us all create some magical fourth acts together. Ciao.